0: can't go long. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 13th, 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. you find lots of audios for free download where you go through the system you're born into. It's a very deceptive system. And it's really scientifically run uh, through your education, your initial indoctrination, and then it's followed up by entertainment. It's even in children's books and so on. You're living through a planned change, plan society, and you're downloaded really with ideas of of the new value systems that are given to you uh, generation by generation. And by that I mean, I don't mean 20 years, 80 years, I mean literally every year they step it up and step it up and step it up because these are the changes which you are taught to experience as being normal that will happen throughout your life step by step. So you're truly living through a planned society. You're living through a script. In fact, uh, the globalisation, all of this stuff, is all part of it. And uh, the uh, the con of um, climate change, etc., to create a new type of economy, and more than that, a new kind of massive police force to come down on every single person to guide you through your entire life under the eco-fascist system that they're bringing in. That's what it's really all about. They've tried other things before; they didn't work, but this one will work because it's all set up and running. Already, with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of international organisations already involved, including your town councils. So help yourself to the to the audios and so on. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at com. And donating as well. And from the US to Canada, remember you can use personal check or international postal money order. You can send cash or use PayPal and across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal. Straight donations really, really are awfully welcome in these austere times, especially when Canada ahead of most countries with its excess taxations and its value-added tax called the GST, things like that, and of course inflation, which they like to call quantitative easing so we're going through massive changes it's not just changes to do with with work uh, and and labor It's to do also with uh, cultural values, massive cultural changes happening. As you well can see all over the place, you know what's politically correct, and whatever is politically correct is is the the mandate that you must believe or else you'll be fined or put in prison for saying something that's not politically correct. That's your new free society. When they can't make folk uh, do it by scientific means, being pure indoctrination, repetition, they simply bring out the laws to enforce and make you say all the right things. Things that your your masters want you to say And have the right opinions that your masters have given you Rather than leave it to yourselves and your own observations So massive changes are underway Globalization is not just happy happy smiling faces across the sea Or getting along together It's to do with literally destroying all that was To bring in all that is new All that was planned to be new And that's what you're living through today It's so amazing to just compare it with the old con, which was called communism, which in itself was a front for something else and and how that, uh, when you bring out the, the manifesto, the communist manifesto, they pretty well achieved all of the planks of the communist manifesto, destruction of the family unit, and all right, right through the whole, the whole lot of it, basically. It's been pretty well done under this new guise of globalism and fairness, etc., etc., etc. And folk have been taught communism in school now for years, especially in Canada and the States. They can actually take courses in it. And they come out thinking, well, it was a nice little thing, a nice little experiment. And and it helped the poor folk get ahead What a joke that was 20 odd million, sometimes 80 million folk Altogether were slaughtered During the whole communist era And believe you me When you see the same people behind uh, Communism as behind the PC stuff of today And globalization You better be awfully, awfully worried folks Because these guys are ruthless Back with more after this break Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And it truly is an incredible matrix because there's not a day goes by that I have to go through streets and streets of stuff, information to do with internationalism and big corporations under a thousand different names, for all for the same thing, towards globalism, carbon taxes, and so on. They're all set up, you see. They're all set up. It's sort of all been done over many years, And it comes from the very top, those who really run the world. Remember, the the whole idea of globalism came out of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private organization set up by international bankers in London. And there are other American branches of Council on Foreign Relations. They also have branches of the CFR Council on Foreign Relations across the whole planet. And even their private historian uh, actually mentioned that that because they have a they have an ulterior ulterior version of history, their real history, because they've been behind so many things, including wars and so on. Just like today, in fact, across the Middle East, nothing happens by itself, and it's pla- everything's planned years and years ahead of time. But again, back to uh, this part here to do with destroying all that was to make room for the new, and this is what they've always said. Sometimes they've said in the ancient times too that they would perfect all that was left imperfect, you see. That includes all of you as well. You're imperfect, you're not efficient enough today. But this article came out in a couple of newspapers a couple of days ago. It says, now the Economic Union, that's the big Soviet parliament they have running the whole of Europe now, uh, under, with the bankers at the top seeks to ban the family no kidding yeah. right out of the communist manifesto It says Brussels takes aim at the famous five books Portraying traditional families could be barred Books that reference or reinforce traditional roles Can contribute to gender stereotyping So you can imagine the bunch of persons who sat and wrote this The report report says traditional stories can damage women's career opportunities Reports the authors and say books which portray traditional images Of mothers caring for their children Well that's that's gone out of fashion now today It's generally down the toilet Or fathers going out to work could be barred from schools under proposals from Brussels. An EU report claims that gender stereotyping in schools Influences the perception of the way boys and girls should behave And damages women's career opportunities in the future Critics say the proposals for study materials to be amended So that men and women are no longer depicted in their traditional roles Would mean the withdrawal of children's classics Such as Enid Blyton's The Famous Five Series Paddington Bear or Peter Pan And that's what the UK Daily Mail said about it too and the dominant social theme is people need to let other people alone, even if le- Leviathan itself must be employed to make it happen. That's where we really need a Leviathan. Free market analysis. Wherever we look, we are assaulted by unbelievable legislative actions. This has got to be the most incredible idea yet to legislate portrayals of the family out of existence. Ireland just, by the way. And very few folk turned up for the votes have passed the United Nations Rights of the Child, which leads, of course, to paedophilia on behalf of all those who grab the children from them, because I've done many articles on this before, and the groups behind them that want to abolish the, 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 the age of consent with children. This is a big, big push, and I've read the articles over the last couple of weeks on that. So Ireland's turned completely red. It used to be nice and green at one time, but it's gone all red now with a hammer and sickle. And I'll put up a couple of links tonight, one from the Sovereign Independent and another one from uh, uh, another source as well. But it says here, what kind of people come up with these ideas? What kind of people vote on them? This is not some uh, outlier in North Korea, not some gambit in Mongolia. This initiative is being seriously proposed in the heart of the West and supposed cradle of civilization. These people are not just announcing their intentions to attack the family unit, but to ban uh, by force any mention of it. It's a little bit like trying to legislate away great gravity. human biology trends... Uh, towards families. Here's more from the article it says and it, says, it goes on to say the document prepared by the European Parliament's Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality also suggests EU-wide legislation is needed to tackle the way women are depicted in advertising during women's or children's television programmes. It further complains about the number of women in EU parliaments not enough and floats the idea of fixed quotas on a minimum proportion of female MPs. The report says children are confronted with gender stereotypes at a very young age through television series, television ads, study materials and educational programs influencing the perception of how male and female characters should behave. Special um it says um special education programmes and study materials should therefore be introduced in which men and women no longer used an examples in their traditional roles, with the male as the breadwinner of the family and the female as the one who takes care of the children. The report goes on to say, with reference to media and advertising, it must also be noted that unsupervised television viewing amongst children and youngsters starts at a very early age is on the rise. Negative gender stereotypes can therefore have a significant influence on young women's confidence and self-esteem, particularly on teenagers, resulting in a restriction of their aspirations, choices and possibilities of future career possibilities. The document calls on the European Commission to take the issue of gender equality into account in all policy fields. You understand, that's what they do. Uh, whenever you get an idea like global warming or whatever, they call it institutionalizing the terminology through everything that's mentioned. doesn't mm-hmm. matter what topic it is through the news. You always get it in there. So they want it institutionalized. Tim Aker, spokesman for Get Britain Out, a Eurosceptic campaign group, warned if the EU has its way millions of youngsters would be denied the pleasure of reading childhood classics such as Paddington Bear, Peter Pan and The Tiger Who Came to Tea because these books show mums and dads in so-called traditional roles. That who goes on to point out the ludicrousness of this sort of legislation. The Eurozone is crumbling. Millions are out of work and a generation of young Europeans face a bleak future. Yet the EU is spending its time concentrating on how to socially engineer our children. Well, it's not just them. It's that already been, happened in America, Canada, Britain, all of, across every other country across the planet. We've all had our indoctrinations, folks. It's not just starting now. We've all had it. In all fairness, the proposals are not expected to become European law anytime soon, but they do apply uh, and illustrate the darkness at the centre of the EU experiment, snuffing out human decency the way a black hole supposedly sucks heat out of the galaxy. And then there's this, the policy championed by the EU Justice Commissioner Vivian Redding would make it mandatory for all publicly traded companies to fill 40% of seats on their boards with women by 2020 or face hefty fines. Where's planet X? We need planet, I don't believe in planet X. I'll take Y or Z, I don't care what it is. It's the time it came in here. Honestly. Because you know where all this is heading. And these, these idiots, these, these weirdos, have got an incredible power, you know. Because it's a big agenda from a top, a top which you can't even understand. And it's not just communism. Communism was a front, remember, for another group. And anyway, it says not only are bureaucrats determined to censure and mention of families, they're going to legislate gender preferences to the highest level of corporate enterprise. We truly have gotten to the point, long ago, actually, where anything that can make it into law becomes the law. For millennia, uh, for millennia, this was not the case. Natural law was observable, and what man proposed hewed to natural law or was discarded. This was the basic tenet of original common law. Only in these sophisticated times has it become fashionable to accept that the law comes from legislators. Thus, if the law were to mandate that people need to walk on their hands and feet, rather or on their feet, as so long as enough votes are available, such legislation could be passed. The saving grace of all this is that trees do not grow to the sky. At some point, we anticipate a return, at least a modest one, to the private law about which we often write. Totalitarianism never provides us with a suit a stable system. Too much has to be repressed, which makes it untenable in the long run. But the problem is, though, a lot of folk are arrested in the long run, as they turn out and say, this is all crazy and stupid, and I'm not going along with it. Political systems, like the body of laws itself, must respect the nature of human beings, or are bound to fail. This is one reason why authoritarian systems end up murdering so many people, when enforcement of various anti-human legislation becomes impossible. Viewed from this perspective, lights are flashing amber on the EU dashboard. No one wants this EU, this, this new super Soviet. And the commission at the top that no one even knows who they are, not of so the parliamentarians, we down below, who have no power. As EU legislation becomes ever more draconian and illusory, the likelihood of accidents increase. The EU was supposedly conceived to ensure that European genocide would never happen again, and it used, as a it used as a political option. But legislation such as this attacking the essence of human existence is not just profoundly inhuman. It shows us that uh, the minds that created can surely contemplate genocide as well, justifying the means to accomplish what they consider a laudable end. It's also possible to see these proposals within the context of deliberate vacations. The dominant social theme here is obviously one of tolerance of the legislated variety, in other words obey. Only the state can protect individual rights, it says. But the dominant social theme might actually be one of deliberate incitement, the idea that the EU can go as far as it wants in disseminating illiberal and nonsensical legislation. to you a bunch of weirdos happy, I'd add to that one. So it's time folk got out of the the European Union. It's definitely communistic in its entire flavour, as you can well know. But it's run by people you don't elect at the very, very top. And nobody wanted the EU, except the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They also brought you the United Nations, another far communist group. So uh, it's time we started getting rid of all this nonsense. Now... It's good to hear that Beijing's doing well in its auto works. It says, Beijing Automotive Works is set to start local assembly of minibus taxis in South Africa in January. And a move that promised to create 469 jobs. For those who don't know it, you see, when you sign the World Trade Organization, all the first world countries, they're all going down the tubes. We redistribute the wealth by giving cash grants to the the countries that are up and coming. The emerging nations They still have China by the way Listed as an emergent nation And South Africa too So we're over there giving both of these countries Cash to help set up their big businesses As we go down the tubes Back with more after this break and back, cutting through the matrix, and nothing's left to chance in this big world system. It takes years to plan things, especially wars and so on, and they certainly put a lot of time and our money into it, and they, they pull it off, really, generally they pull it off. Here's an article here, for instance, says British troops may be flown to Syria, head of the armed forces admits. And British troops we sent to Syria in the event of a major humanitarian crisis. Well, we've gone through all this stuff. Other media has done too, with the colour revolutions and the funding of, of terrorists to go into Syria and take it down. And the West is funding all of it, of course and uh, this is part of their new strategy. It started with uh, um, the new American Century Group. They called it revolutionary democracy, where they'd send in soft power to agitate students and so on, and they'd get into universities and and to get their circles going, and then they'd go and protest and, and, and uh, agitate in the streets, and then you would send in the hard power if that didn't work, which is what, of course, we've been doing here. So, it's just a, a long script as, as it takes through all these countries. And yesterday I mentioned a whole list of the countries that came out in The Guardian, uh, but 2002, that had to be taken out according to uh, the New American Century Group and the States, and of course the Israeli papers as well. They all have the same. I've got them all here from the time. I've kept them all because they had the exact same uh, lists of countries that they'd have to take out. And um, But this article says British troops were sent in Syria and they event of a major humanitarian crisis, and it says, um, General Sir Richard, uh, David Richard said, plans were being drawn up in case winter made conditions on the ground worse. In intervention would be, would be limited and needed the support of people inside Syria, he said. But it would be seen as a potential step towards a full-scale military intervention, bringing forces directly into conflict with the regime of President Bashar al-Assad. It would be a huge effort. We'd be very cautious about it, the chief of the defence staff told BBC. There's no ultimate military reason why uh, one shouldn't, and I know that. All these options are quite rightly being examined, but we are some way off, it says. The announcement came as Israeli forces fired warning shots into Syria after the claim that a stray mortar exploded near a Jewish settlement and the occupied the Golan Heights. And so they're all looking for the the reasons to to start all and get the military in there. It's just the usual, usual, same old stuff. And the article I mentioned yesterday, too, uh, I've kept all the old ones from years and years ago because they disappear. But uh, as I say, Israel had the exact same list of countries to be taken out as the New American Century Group. Exactly identical, in fact. But even in uh, the Wikipedia, it says, according to the report's preamble, it's written by the study group on a new Israeli strategy towards 2000, which is part of the Institute for Advanced Strategic and Political Studies. I think it's the same one that was on YouTube last week I put up, where the guy is actually advocating uh, for a, a fake, a false flag to, to just use an excuse to get to go and invade. MH's anyway, former United States Assistant Secretary of Defense, Richard Perle was the study group leader, but the final report included ideas from James Colbert, uh, Charles Fairbanks Jr., Robert Lowenberg, uh, Douglas Feith, uh, David Wormser, and Myrav Wormser. So the content of the report is organized into an introduction, followed by six sections. The report interleaves with its main commentary text a series of key passages of a possible speech. And it says, "Well, there are those who will counsel continuity. Israel has the opportunity to make a clean break. It can forge a peace process and strategy based on an entirely new intellectual foundation, one that restores strategic initiative and pr- provides the nation the room to engage every possible energy on rebuilding Zionism. Uh, the starting point of which must be economic reform. The introduction specifically proposes three new policies. Rather than pursuing a comprehensive peace with the entire Arab, Arab world, Israel should." Work jointly with Jordan and Turkey. Now, it came out in the CFR today, comes from Foreign Relations, that uh, they are working now with Turkey. They're, they're going to get a new, a new initiative to strengthen their ties with the U.S., Israel, and Turkey. So here's this article goes way back to 2000 or before. Talking about it to contain, de- and they want to use Jordan and Turkey to contain, destabilise, and roll back those entities that are threats to all three. Well, that's what Turkey's been doing. They've been conned into attacking Assad, of course. And mind you, if once they've done their job, uh, they'll be flattened as well. I hope they understand that. i they always use them and then wring them out and flatten them. Changing nature of relations with the Palestinians, specifically reserving the right to hort pursuit anywhere within Palestinian territory, as well as attempting to promote alternatives to Arafat at the time, leadership. He was bumped off with radiation afterwards. Changing uh, relations with the United States, stressing self-reliance and strategic cooperation. It can only be done if Israel takes serious steps to terminate aid, which prevents economic reform. This is a new approach to peace. While the previous government and many have broadly emphasized land for peace, which placed Israel in the position of cultural, economic, political, diplomatic and military retreat, the new government can promote Western values and traditions. Such an approach will be well re- received in the United States. includes peace for peace, peace through strength and self-reliance and balance of power. And then they go on about securing the northern border. And this is Syria challenges Israel on Lebanese soil that had to be taken out. An effective approach and one with which America can sympathize would be if Israel seized the strategic initiative along its northern borders by engaging Hezbollah, Syria and Iran, same countries that are still hammering it today. As a principal agents of aggression in Lebanon, including uh, by striking Syria's drug money and counterfeiting infrastructure in Lebanon, all of which focuses on Razi Canaan, paralleling Syria's behaviour by establishing the precedent that Syrian territory is not immune to attacks emanating from Lebanon by Israeli proxy forces. Back with more after this break. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watson, talking about the, the the big script, the big script that's endless war and how long ago it was planned and so on. And reading from an article from 2002, and once before it as well, to do with the planning of the takedown of all the Arab countries. And this it's, uh, it's from an Israeli point of view. It says, ultimately, Israel can do more than simply manage the Arab-Israeli conflict through war. No amount of weapons or victories will grant Israel the peace it seeks. When Israel is in a sound economic footing and is free, powerful, and healthy internally, it will no longer simply manage the Arab-Israeli conflict. It will transcend it. As a senior Iraqi uh, opposition leader said recently, Israel must rejuvenate and revitalize its moral and intellectual leadership. It's an important, if not the most important element in the history of the Middle East. Israel, proud, wealthy, solid and strong, would be the basis of a truly new and peaceful Middle East. Well, it will be if they end up running all those other countries too. But it says here, Brian Whitaker reported in a September 2002 article published in the Guardian that with several of the clean break papers, authors now holding, these are the guys who wrote all this stuff, are now holding key positions in Washington. The plan for Israel to tr- transcend its foes by reshaping the Middle East looks a good deal more achievable today than it did in 1996. Americans may even be persuaded to give up their lives to achieve it. Well, we've known what happened since then. In March 2003, Patrick J. McKinnon, referred to the 2003 invasion of Iraq in the report, wrote that their plan, which urged Israel to re-establish the principle of preemption that means that if you suspect, even anybody suspects, even a partner person that you're going to be attacked, you attack first. This has now been imposed by Peril, Feith, Wormser and co. on the United States. Ian Baruma wrote August 2003 in the New, New York Times that Douglas Feith and Richard Perle advised Netanyahu, who was Prime Minister in 96, to be a clean break from the Oslo Accords with the Palestinians. They also argued that Israel's security would serve best by regime change in surrounding countries. No one should have to get rid of all the regimes around them which the U.S. has been doing awfully well with Britain. Despite the current mess in Iraq, this is still a common place in Washington. In Paul Wolfowitz's words, the road to peace in the Middle East goes through Baghdad. It has indeed become an article of faith, literally in some cases. In Washington, America and Israel interests are identical, but this was not always so, and Jewish interests are not the main reason for it now, he said. I wonder what it is, isn't he? And Burma continues. What we see then is not a Jewish conspiracy, but a peculiar alliance of evangelical Christians. Because remember, Bush brought in uh, and he paid lots, millions of dollars to bring on all the top evangelical Christians in the States, the ones that wave their hands about a lot and think they're all going to heaven tomorrow. Foreign policy hardliners, lobbyists for the Israel government and neoconservatives, a number of whom have happened to be Jewish, but the Jews amongst them, Perel Wolfowitz, William Crystal, etter of the Weekly Standard et al. are more likely to speak about freedom and democracy than about Halakha, the Jewish law. What unites this alliance of convenience is a shared vision of American destiny and the conviction that American force and tough Israel and Israel line on the Arabs are the best ways to make the US strong, Israel safe, and the world a better place. It says so. It goes on on with more uh, quotes and quotes and quotes from different newspapers. But we know the mess, and of course, it was planned back in the 90s at least. And this is just more evidence of uh, you're living through a script. Everything is a script. Everything's all, all pre-scripted, you know, and published basically, just like a book. And we're living through it. But the media, of course, makes you think that things are just happening day by day, and and that's all there is to it. And, of course, we've got articles out now, too, talking about, are we getting more stupid? Well, look around you. These researchers claim our intelligence is diminishing, as we know not longer needed to survive. Well, I won't read the article, but what I will mention, that's exactly what Charles Galton Darwin said in his book, The Next Million Years. He said that we, the elite who run the world, must retain our wildness. We must be wild men. Because a wild creature, you see, has all of its faculties working to survive. It's a survival mechanism. But he says the public won't need it. This was 1956 or so. He says the public won't need it because the state, the state will be making all their decisions for them. And getting back to this article, researchers claim our intelligence is diminishing as we know, lot longer need it to survive. There's always an agency there to do it for you or social workers or something, you know and then this one too it's interesting how they're trying to get away from uh, the investigations in fact they've done a good job of of diverting attention away from the BBC and all of its perves. that've been there for years everybody who's been in the BBC knows this and uh, and of course uh, Jimmy Savile and Jimmy Savile's pals up up the tree you know and they want they don't want to go any further on investigations, obviously, because there's too many important folk up there, lords and all the rest of it, and even higher. So they're concentrating now on, on older articles. A retired bishop of Church of England has been arrested by police investigating allegations of child sexual abuse. It says he is arrested on eight separate offences. As the Guardian points out, the right Reverend Peter Ball is thought to be the most senior member of the Church of England to have been arrested in connection with a child sexual abuse inquiry. He was arrested on suspicion of offences against eight boys and young men, ranging in age from 12 to the early 20s. The offences are alleged to have been committed during the 80s and the 1990s. He was former Bishop of Gloucester. He resigned in 1993 as... This is is the West Country notes, after receiving a police caution for committing an act of gross indecency against a teenager. As a guardian notes on his resignation, the former bishop moved to, guess where, Manor Lodge, a wisteria-clad property owned by the Duchy of Cornwall, which is the private estate of Prince Charles. At the time, Ball said, he, Prince Charles, has been wonderfully kind and allowed me to have a duchy house. The prince is a loyal friend. I have immense admiration for him. He has been through horrific times and is a great person. Well, that's pretty much what Saville said too, isn't it? So it says that Sussex Police uh, released a, a press statement and uh, it says, "Make it clear that the force will always take seriously any allegations of historic sexual offending and every possible step will be taken to investigate whenever appropriate. Well, why aren't you in and getting all through the BBC? Hmm? Why aren't you doing that? Well, they can't go there, you see. There's no way they'll go there. Now, I put up an article a while back, and it was when Tony Blair was in, I'll put up again tonight, by the Assistant Prime Minister of Britain at that time, Tony's right-hand man, who said he was ordered by Tony Blair to open the floodgates of Britain to all mass immigration in order to destroy Any remnant of the British culture forever, so much so that it could never reform or or, or come back again. And it's still going on. But mind you, I mean, my whole life I've watched Britain advertise in the papers. Every year there's articles, Britain's the best welfare state to come to under the EU. It's all, every year they'd look these articles out. And now, of course, in the poorest countries after communism in Europe, uh, they're flooding into Britain. Now it says, UK will not, here's the wording here, the United Kingdom will not extend Romania and Bulgaria migration curbs, rather than say the UK is continuing to bring in all uh, Eastern Europeans. You see how they try to work it for you. So Bulgarians and Romanians will gain the unrestricted right to live and work in the UK from December 2013. The Home Secretary Theresa May has confirmed temporary curbs imposed in 2005 to protect the British labour market are set to expire on that date. So because of a law that they passed that's going to expire, they're just going to let them flood in. Labour parties have said that they would support any moves to extend the ban. But Mrs May told the BBC's Andrew Marshall that that was not possible now, because Britain's under this new Soviet European Union Parliament, and it's not possible under EU law, although she was hoping to limit the impact on the UK economy. The Home Office has not produced an official estimate of how many of the 29 million Romanians and Bulgarian citizens will take advantage of their new freedoms when controls are lifted. Well, there have been flooding out, because I know people over there, they've been flooding in there for for quite some time. And it is true, Britain will bring them in and put you right on welfare and all the rest of it. Because that's the EU law, you see. But some experts predict a large number of immigrants from Eastern Europe, which Labour has warned, could put pressure on British jobs and wages. Well... What is Britain today? I mean, it's just sinking. It's just sinking, literally sinking with the weight of people that's coming in from all over. Because no one else in Europe has got such great uh, benefit systems. No, No one else has got that. The government's Migration Advisory Committee says there's evidence Bulgarians would move to Britain because of its stronger economy and it was plausible Romanians would come for the same reasons. But extending restrictions could involve tearing up the provisions of the treaty signed when Romania and Bulgaria joined the EU. So, I guess you just have to think, you know, and it's not just, don't blame the folk in Bulgaria and Romania because there'll be folk on the other side there too and agencies even like the Rockefeller Center like they do in Mexico urging them all to go over. And I'm not kidding you. And there's there's nothing there. They've been plundered by years of Soviet systems, plundered. Also tonight, I'll put up an article. It says, where does your tax dollar go for Canada? Canadians might be interested. Maybe they won't. They're probably young. But it says, for the fiscal year ending March 31st, 2006. I think that was the last one they put up. Canada's federal government collected $222.2 billion in taxes and other revenues. That represents a bit over 16% of the country's nearly $1.4 trillion economy. And it says, here's a quick overview of where the money went and how it was raised. And it gives you a rundown. Interest payments alone are $33 billion. Uh, So it's it's quite something else. And then the transfer payments are $118.3 billion. Etc. Etc. So it, it breaks it down, but the biggest of all it goes to to interest because you see Canada used to uh, run its own banking system until Pierre Trudeau got in, who was a communist, by the way. Everybody knew it. The press all knew it. But when he ran for, to be the the, the 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 prime minister, none of them mentioned it because they were all told to keep their mouths shut. But Pierre Trudeau was a member of the Comintern at one point he was young, and he led the Canadian delegations over to Moscow. So everybody knew he was a communist. So he basically shut the old Can- Bank of Canada system down where you borrowed from your main bank. Canada was the only country in the world, remember, that didn't suffer like, through the Great Depression like other countries. And other countries sent their people over to find out how our system worked. But then Trudeau got in, destroyed it, and before, le- before he left, he was out of there, he- he'd left us with billions already in debt with his new system, where we borrow from the private banking systems and so on. But I'll put that up. And this article too, it says, Oh Canada imposing austerity on the world's most rich, resource rich country. It says, even the world's most resource rich country has now been caught in the debt trap. It's once proud Canadian programs are being subjected to radical budget cuts, cuts that could have been avoided if the government had not quit borrowing from its own central bank in the 1970s. Last week in Ottawa, the Canadian House of Commons passed the federal government's latest round of budget cuts and austerity measures. Highlights include chopping 19,200 public sector jobs, cutting federal programs by $5.2 billion per year, and raising the retirement age for millions of Canadians from 65 to 67. The justification for the cuts was a massive federal debt that's now over $581 billion, or 84% of the GDP. Well, we've got that gross well-happiness, or gross gross well-being, they call it. That's even better, supposedly. We can all take very cheap drugs, I suppose, and all be happy. It says, an online budget game furnished by the local newspaper, The Globe and Mail, gave readers a chance to try to balance the budget themselves. Well, it's quite easy. You you just set up the old banking system we used to have. Stop borrowing borrowing from private banks. Tear up your treaties at the United Nations so that you don't have to sponsor up-and-coming countries emergent countries through the World Trade Organization and paying for their hospitals to get built in China and elsewhere in India and giving them money and cash grants to start up their businesses where you slash all the businesses at home. That's quite easy to do, isn't it? But that's not going to happen because this is agenda, folks, to take down first world countries, flatten them, to really flatten them. That's what it's all about. I hope you understand that. Also tonight i put up a, an article. It's a public relations uh ad really about the Council on Foreign Relations put out by the Council on Foreign Relations who are the best spinners of all magic around. The Council on Foreign Relations is an independent, non-partisan membership organization. It's a think tank and a publisher dedicated to being a resource for its members, government officials, business execs, journalists, educators and students, civic and religious leaders and other interested citizens in order to help them better understand the world and the foreign policy choices facing the US and other countries. They're also the main advisor to every country, and by the way, in the West. And they also have their own guys, members, appointed as prime ministers and presidents. Their own historian has mentioned that in his own book. So this is the the group. No one elects it, it's private. It's a branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private, from London, who came up with the idea to draft up the United Nations, Set them at motion, they drafted up the 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 integration for europe for the parliament there the Council of Relations drafted up the integration for the Americas. they came on television Canada under their own uh moniker and admitted that on Canadian television. They had drafted up the treaties that the prime ministers and presidents signed quite the independent you know charitable organization eh? I'll put that up tonight too. And also to mention getting back to the article from 2002, and how, as you said, they may have to make a deal with, with Turkey. Turkey is a rising regional and global power facing, as of the United States, the challenge of political transitions in the Middle East, bloodshed in Syria, and Iran's pursuit of nuclear weapons. As a result, it is incumbent upon the leaders of the United States and Turkey to define a new partnership in order to make a strategic relationship a reality, says, guess who? A new Council on Foreign Relations-sponsored independent task force that tells the government what to do. So it tells you who, who's on this independent task force. Guess who's at the head of it? Madeleine K. Albright. You know, the one who's in charge of NATO as he slaughtered and starved folk across the Middle East. And former National Security Advisor Stephen J. Hadley. And is directed by Stephen e. Cook, And it says, the task force includes 23 prominent experts who represent a variety of perspectives and backgrounds. Turkey may not yet have the status of one of Washington's traditional European allies, the report explains, but there's good strategic reason for the bilateral relationship to grow and mature into a mutually beneficial partnership that can manage a complex set of security, economic, humanitarian and environmental problems. So you have to get environmental in there too. Didn't see climate change, though. The relationship should reflect not only common American-Turkish interest, but also Turkey's new stature as an economically and politically successful country with a new role to play in changing the Middle East, exactly as those articles from 2002 said that use Turkey to do it. So I'll put that up. See, you're living through a script, folks. It was all done years ago. And also this article, too. And another one on civilization is making humanity less intelligent. The study claims, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we don't have to think, as I say. You don't have to think at all, because it's true enough. Your TV does it. Remember what Basinski says: the people will eventually be, become unable to think for themselves. That's the plan in his own book. He said that they'll look to the media to do all their thinking and eventually their reasoning for them. Have you noticed you can can lead horses to water with clues, 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 but you can't make them make the final connection and make them drink? They have to be told now. They have to be told the ending. I'm not kidding you. That's how folk are now. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. I'm back. We're Cutting Through the Matrix. And just before I take a caller, I'll put another link up tonight, too. I'll put all these links up tonight at CuttingThroughMates.com to do with the Bilderberger Steering Committee's meeting in Rome right now. Now we'll go to Jim from Texas, if he's still there. he's you still there, Jim? Yeah, I'm here, Alan. Can you hear me? Yep, I can. Yep. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, listening to your show off and off for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lately, the last couple of years, I've... Kind of been in a, a valley, if you know what I mean? Yep. Um, as far as the, I guess you could call it the waking up process. I'm not a huge fan of the term, but, um, um, I really, uh, conquered myself. I don't know if, uh, you probably talked to, you talk to so many people about people getting stagnant, mm-hmm. you know, um, in the waking up process. Yep. And, if, uh, that's something you hear of is people getting stuck on, Really just conquering themselves and getting their, themselves right mm-hmm. before they can go further in the process. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you, you understand that there's so much history to this movement and what's happening today. Uh, this is a, it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. And most folk never touch on, on this topic. And, um, you have to understand uh, what's behind it. Uh, the hell that's still to come—it's a hell that's to come, by the way. It's not going to be a happy place. Right. And um, and and the only thing you can say—remember—I can't say that information or knowledge will will, will free you to an extent, or free you in your own head, so you know exactly why things are happening. But it doesn't bring you peace because you still have to go through the hell that's being laid uh, in front of us all the time. But at least you understand the real reasons why. And then you break out of even a higher level to realize that almost all the media articles are are, are either scarcely touching it or it's absolute rubbish that you're reading altogether. Uh, You have to go into the past, the old, old history books to find out what this this movement even really is. It's anti-human. There's no doubt about it. There is a dominant minority that uh call themselves by um, different titles, you might say, but they, they truly believe they have the right to rule the world, and they hate ordinary people. They hate us all. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They're taught to hate us from childhood, and um, they also are taught that they have the right to rule us. And as I say, it's a very, very old thing. It's well-documented um, in certain old books, uh, although it's, it's politically incorrect today to go into it all. Uh, in fact, it can be awfully dangerous. But they run the worlds. Uh, they're the ones behind the, all the greening agendas, all the different tricks to make us all slaves. And so that their agencies that will work for them will manage us all from birth to death and, and bring down the populations and so on and so on. It's nothing to do with climate change. That was a big thing that Club of Rome dreamed up, which they own. And the Club of Rome said that. It says we, we were given a task to find a way to basically dominate the people and bring the world together under some guise. We thought about UFOs, all the usual stuff. Then we hit on global warming. That would fit the bill. That would fit the bill. That was their task to find a reason. They'd push. And then you have the old, old bankers that are a big part of this, the international boys, the big ones, who got together and they formed their Alt Institute for International Affairs. They drafted up, as I say, the integration Of uh, Europe And they did one for Americas And for the world, for the global system Under the United Nations Uh, You understand We have to break every treaty that's been made For the last hundred years Every treaty, and there's hundreds of them uh, To get back to any Semblance of taking care of Ourselves and surviving For ourselves with our own minds and tax. Nothing else would do Nothing else would do but stick in there and, and you will come across what I'm talking about. Thanks for calling. From Hamish Mussel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.